She wanted to live a normal life in her homeland with her family and friends. And she did. This young woman did not harm anyone and did not do anything wrong. But on one day, all her life changed, was destroyed for her and for hundreds of thousands of Yazidis, to which ethnic group she belongs. On that day, on which all her life was destroyed, on the 3rd of August 2014, the Islamic State, the ISIS, launched a genocide against the Yazidi people in Sinjar, northern Iraq. Listen to the words of the young woman who remembers the days of the attack of ISIS in Sinjar. I'm from Sinjar. I work as a social worker with Wadi. Currently, we work uh, with the, the No to Violence campaign in the schools, in the camps, in the hook. You can say that I must have a strong character because I have been through like a lot of difficulties in my life, which made me very stronger. As a principle of life, I see that um, living the day by day, not depending on like a uh, future goal, because uh, in one day we lost everything. So one day accounts a lot. Before 2014, I lived in Khanasur village, which is near to Shingal. Me and my father and mother, with my seven brothers and two sisters, we lived in a very, like a very nice house, a big house, I can say. Though we had like a lack of services in the village that where we lived, but uh, we were happy. 2014, I graduated. I graduated from Management uh, Institute, the accounting department. We were very, very strong. But now, all, but all that happened because we lost. I lost my brother, so it's, it was very difficult for us. Second of August 2014, before that day, we had a feast. The Yazidi community had uh, celebrated every every year. Uh, we were very happy celebrating this day. We had some people saying that the situation isn't very stable uh, because uh, ISIS are controlling Mosul and Talafar, and there's a chance that they will attack Shingal soon. People were talking about that, but we we didn't believe it. We had a call from the south of Sinjar telling us that Shing, that ISIS are very near and they they are attacking Sinjar. People were saying that we have to go to the mountain because it's safe there. Me and my sisters and my family were very, very, very afraid of the situation. I we didn't believe it and we at the same time we were thinking about what if hap what if that happened. At eleven thirty uh, in Khanasur, uh, we had a phone call also tell, telling us that ISIS have entered Shingal through the Syrian borders. My family, they had to have this uh, decision to to like to to have to go uh, to the mountain. I remember that day very uh, carefully. Through the way to to the mountain, there was a man on the road telling us that don't go to the mountain because it's not safe there also. Maybe they will, they will have no water, no food. So if you have a car, then please you 
go to Kurdistan as soon as possible. Uh, then my brother turned to Kurdistan and we came to Kurdistan. I will never forget the moments when we came from Shingal to Kurdistan. Through all the way to the to to Kurdistan, um, they were very hor- like a horrible horrible images of people running away from ISIS, and also people even like some of the cars had accidents. We we even couldn't stop to help these people in the streets. Because we had some news saying that ISIS are taking the women and also taking the kids. So that's why we couldn't uh, stop for a moment. Most of the uh, people of Shingal were running away. The roads were very uh, crowded. About 400,000 people lived in Shingal. And you can say that almost uh, this number, they were fleeing to Kurdistan. On the way, we had... Every minute we had a call from our relatives telling us about the updates, what happened in Shingal. We had a news that 93 of our relatives were taken by ISIS. And we had also news that all the men of Hardan area were killed and all their women were taken and also their kids. Even the people living in the mountain were very afraid that they may attack the mountain also. Everyone were in a in a very bad situation, they couldn't imagine that what will happen to them. I I cannot forget those moments, never. Then we arrived to my brother's house in Kurdistan. Then we felt safe. When you see, for example, a uh, part of the movie or part of uh, like a series on the TV, killing and stuff like that, we cannot even look at it. Then how, if you can do it? We, we still don't believe that uh, they could do all this to our, to our women, to our, to our uh, girls, to our men. We cannot believe that also. arrived to my brother's house in Kurdistan that day we couldn't think about anything but the people living in the in the mountains although we lost our house we lost our life we lost our area we lost everything but that didn't matter what mattered is that we thought about those who have been kidnapped those who were killed and those who are still in the mountain have no food, no water. As you know, August was in summertime. The degrees reached 45. Every day, we ha- we we try to speak to the community to tell that uh, we need help to to give services to those who like to give food or even uh, first aid to those who are living in the mountain. We heard about uh, some people. Uh, leaving their child in the mountain because they couldn't help them because they were starving. The, the people of the, the mountain were in a very, very bad situation that no one was helping, not the government, not the, the outside world, not the central government. 
Until now, we have something like you can say that uh, the trust is broken. No one helped. Also, since that day until now, we don't trust anymore. Yeah. I cannot say names, but I had so many people who gave me strength in my life. My family, my mother, they were uh, the source of strength to me. Uh, since October 2014, I have been working with Wadi also. I consider Wadi as my second family as they trained me. They helped me in building myself again and they taught, taught me how to work and how to deal with, with some so many cases. At the beginning, I was very weak. I couldn't handle all the stories that I have heard from people, from these survivors. The stories were were very, very uh, effective. I, When I heard such stories, I couldn't even imagine that this would ever happen in real life. Uh, hearing these stories from a people who have been through all of this was very, very hard to me. I even sometimes thought about not working with in this field anymore because they affected me a lot. I even, um, like, like even I, I seriously thought about that. But when some of the survivors called me and said that I need a session with you, I need to talk with you, uh, I couldn't say no. They're very strong. Although what happened to them, like have been, they have, after they have been kidnapped, raped, killed family members and and they can still live their life again. So I can say that they are one of the sources of strength to me. I try to help them even even with like with a small word or something like that. When I see the smile of on, on their face, uh, that uh, affect me a lot a lot. I learned how to deal with people and how to help people. Uh, before that, I also I only had I only had in mind how to continue my study and stuff like that, normal life uh, challenges. But now uh, I learned how to actually help people. Every person that uh, that enters my life, I try to help them with, with as much as I can. So this is like the, the most effective lear- lesson that I have learned. My only wish, you can say that this is the only wish for all the Yazidis right now, is that uh, those 3,000 people who are still missing get back to their homes again and, and between among their family members. People are still missing, our people are still missing, and we don't know what happened to them. This is our wish that they return back again. My special thanks to the social workers of Wadi for making this interview possible. The spelling of Wadi is W-A-D-I. To learn more about Wadi's work and activities, visit the website wadi-online.org. Radio Core. Stories to tell.